and we never have a lunch or yeah, dinner together. Yeah, we've never met yeah. in person. That's the ridiculous. I have no idea how tall you are because I've only seen like your shoulders. Welcome to the Asian American Forward Podcast. My name is Katie Simpson, and I'm here this week with my regular co-host, Don Sun. Hi, Don. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. It's good to talk to you this week, and I cannot believe that it's already March of 2021. It seems like New Year's was like literally yesterday. And so (laughs) being March, uh, we are about a year out from the anniversary of the pandemic in the U.S. There were like cases here, like starting in late, mid to late February, if I remember correctly, like in um, Washington state. Um, but sort of the week that I uh, count everything as starting is like the week of March 13th or so. Does that sound right to your memory? Yeah, March 17th, something around there. Yeah. Yeah. So it being about a year out from the anniversary of this event that's like affected all of our lives, we wanted to take this opportunity to reflect on, you know, how things have changed and maybe what things will change going forward about the world um, and our lives with the pandemic. So Don has come up with a list of 10 things that he noticed changing this year and that we're going to talk through. and maybe have some debate about because I'm not sure I agree with all of his items. But before we get into that, I did want to just like give um, us an opportunity and our audience an opportunity to reflect on what this year has been like for them. So Don, do you have anything like personal that you wanted to share from your like year of pandemic? Yeah, I think it's uh, at this moment uh, uh, in the past year, most times uh, I was like everyone else, most times stay at home. But uh, for me, uh, I try to travel as much as possible. So almost every weekend, if not every weekend, probably it's the twice a month, I'm going to travel. So it's that I take advantage of the airport is empty, security, no one going to go through, airplane is empty. Every hotel I went, it's almost empty. So it's only one or two guests there. So the entire hotel is just for you. So I can pick up a ocean view of the hotel and pay very, very minimum money for the hotel, for the airplane. So it's a, as long as a, you have a face mark in the public place, mm-hmm. uh, I do enjoy this year's uh, travel. And uh, I put the goal is every state I didn't go, I'll try to put it into the calendar because it's a remote work. And the most time is our staff is to have a remote uh, uh, Zoom meeting together, just like you and me. Mm-hmm. And then it's the, I can still work and I can still travel. The thing is, the, uh, I'm pretty, at the one side, pretty enjoy this kind of a lifestyle and uh, didn't uh, worry too much about the COVID at this moment. That's the part of my uh, enjoyment for this particular COVID. But the people is a little bit scared, they make a comment. And the worst thing is for me, 
I do lose a lot of in-person uh, interaction and the mm -hmm. friendship. I'm the person always try to get a party, meet people, talk to strangers. Of course that. you are. <laughs> but I suffered that part very much. But we have to tell audience, you and me start this program versus Zoom. And we never have a lunch. Yeah, we've together. never met yeah. in person. That's the ridiculous. Thing. I have no <laughs> idea how tall you are because I've only seen like your shoulders. Yeah. Where have you traveled this year? Uh, I traveled uh, most times. Uh, I went to uh, the Southern California very often. So it's uh, because the coastline, there's all the hotel open. So it's I uh, travel Southern California a lot and uh, Arizona and uh, uh, Texas and also uh, Idaho and uh, I also went to East Coast uh, like uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, New York, Washington DC. You've almost. really been everywhere this year. That's <laughs> yeah. great. I went to a lot of places. <laughs> I have to say I've actually done more traveling than you would expect this year too. I moved across the country kind of twice. So when the pandemic started, I was in college in Massachusetts and I went home to quarantine with my family in Tennessee and spent the summer there. And then in the fall, I moved here to California. So I've kind of like been from East to West Coast since <laughs> last March, which is crazy. I was saying to my mom that I have seen both the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean this year um, and graduated from college. But I feel like the thing I'm most proud of from my year of pandemic is I have gotten so good at making homemade bread. It's incredible. Like I just have the best sandwiches all the time now because I'm at home and I have enough time to like really baby my sourdough starter that I grew. <laughs> That's good, yeah. Well, I am excited to get into it with you and do some predictions. This is one of my favorite things. And of course we don't have a crystal ball. So I, it'll be interesting also to see you know, in the months ahead, if there are things that we get right, or if there are things that we get really wrong. Um, so Dawn was thinking through this list of 10 things that um, have changed in our life since the pandemic. And maybe we'll just like alternate uh, which one you want to talk about. So do you want to go first and talk about your number one on the list? Uh, I number one on my list, I have a 10 changes. But the number one, I think it's uh, this pandemic fundamentally change the human relationship so among the people and uh, since the most interaction we all go through remote and when you have an in-person next to each other sometimes I feel it's the I'm guilty because the people say oh maybe you are very superior so the people tend to either put the face mask there always they try to have a social distance. And uh, for me, it's the kind of a, a mental barrier for me. I just feel it's the, we are no longer uh, close to each other. And then it's the very defensive to the relationship. That has cost me some uh, uh, originally the people hug, the, the close to each other and then kiss each other. Now it's the all gone. So that's the fundamentally the relationship uh, caused me a lot of uh, uncomfortable. That's the, I think that's the 
maybe turn into a little bit uh, semi-permanent or permanent relationship. That's the uh, mm. relationship I don't like. I think this is the number one in my mind. I don't know what's your thought. No, I think you're totally right. And I think it's really sad. Um, this is something that I talked about a lot at the beginning of the pandemic with my dad, which is that like normally when this kind of crisis event happens in history, often like for a country, it's something like a war where everyone's like really able to be together and like band together and spend time together to like get through a crisis. But yeah. in this case, like the problem is being together and we have to yeah. separate ourselves to keep everyone safe. Um, and so I do like have, I think a little twinge of sadness, like even every time I'm walking in my neighborhood and I like have to cross the street to like stay away from someone because I don't want right. them to think that I'm trying to get them sick. Um, at the same time though, I do think that like, I, or I'm optimistic that this year will make people value the importance of relationships more because we've really seen what it can do to be so isolated from your community. Um, even like moving across the country during a pandemic and like trying to find and build relationships for myself. I think I have found that I'm more open to just being like, okay, I'm gonna join this like book club or whatever that's on Zoom because I need people in my life and I like, this is the only way to get it. And in some ways, like everything being online does remove some of the friction to social interaction because you don't have to leave your house. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I am really curious to see like how offices in the future will end up, offices and schools, how, how many people will stay remote or how many people will go back in person. But kind of like segueing to the next item, which is very related to this, you added the online dating trend. So do you mean <laughs> that more people are dating online or do you mean that like, like more relationships are starting online? Is that what you meant by that one? Uh, the, my observation is that I just label is the dating online becoming trend and it's a, the pretty interesting. And I think it's a, the people dating online used to be the worst thing to, to build an intimate relationship. But the pandemic just opened the entire door. People is have no man, mental barriers. They just open to this idea is that people just chat online all the time. It's a stranger, they start dating online and they feel so comfortable. And when it's mature and they said, let's take a risk to get somewhere so that we can meet real person. So I can know how tall you are, how, <laughs> how you work, those kind of things are becoming very, very, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I just feel this entire trend that gave the, the, the young people or the people need uh, the intimate relationship, one particular venue to start understand to each other. Of course, it's the, behind the, uh, the screen, the people, the physical uh, or body language actually is uh, hiding a lot. So, but mm -hmm. uh, go through the language conversation and it goes through eye to eye through the camera. It also can tell a lot of things about the, the people on the other side. That's the kind of interesting. I don't know is the what's your experience that dating someone or is the what's your experience? Do you know anyone who's met online this year? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> like I so I have um like online dating accounts, but I have to say I don't really like it. 
I get bored. Like I'll start messaging someone and then I'm like, eh. uh, yeah, I spend yeah. all day looking at my computer. I don't really want to look at it more. Yeah. Of course, it's a, this is a kind of a, a paradox or dilemma. People really want to have a, some uh, feeling and also have some uh, smiling. They have a seven signs, right? It's the mm -hmm. people close to each other. They can smile, smile the, the, the opposite, the, the other parties, the, whether it's they like it or not. But the online dating becoming just uh, go through the screen. But uh, mm -hmm. I do see people, they after maybe three months, five months, the online dating, they become very, very good. And then it's a flight to together, spend the night or wake in some in some national park become mm -hmm. pretty good. Yeah, because yeah. people, they, they have kind of a, have some tolerance to the remote relationship. And when they physically see each other, the real person, they can uh, accept whatever the difference that may be imagined. I did. I do have a friend who met someone online this year, like, and they're in two different states and have never met and are dating. I think the other weird thing about pandemic relationships is like people who were already in relationships that uh -huh. either got stuck quarantining, quarantining together and it ruined their relationship, or they like had just started dating and they were like, we're stuck together, so we might as well get married. Like, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how many like pandemic related divorces, pandemic related marriages and pandemic related babies will come out of this experience. One of my best friends got pregnant over the pandemic and her baby is due at the end of this month. So she's literally like, take this one year, like had a baby and will have a baby in a pandemic. And so it's, it's also like such a testament to how I think resilient humans are because life goes on. People are still getting married and like having babies and moving across the country, even in this like time of extreme crisis. I can predict uh, next year, yeah. we're going to have a baby boomer. It's just that we call them a pandemic baby because you know, most people they stay together be besides the sex, nothing they can do. So it's the, they create a lot of a human being there, right? So it's the, you know, it's a, each, uh, whenever they have a national or worldwide uh, the crisis, mm -hmm. either like a war or it's a disease, the people stuck together, they cannot move. It's just like a, I came from mainland China. It's, you know, it's a, in your countryside, when sunset, the all people have nothing to do because there's no light and all the dark. So it's a, the, the population in the countryside, it's a, the double, triple every year. So it's, they have nothing to do, just to mm -hmm. stay on the back. So it's the, this pandemic, I predict it's going to create a whole generation, we call them a pandemic baby, for sure. On that note, you also noticed that, um, you know, we'll have we'll see children, we'll see a lot of really interesting impacts on children this year um, because so many have, of them have um, been stuck in California, I think, uh, there's a few private schools that are open, but mostly the public schools are still remote and have been since last March. So um, they're studying online without in-person interaction. It'll be interesting to see what kind of interruptions to their learning. Cause I know like for a lot of students, like um, my siblings who are still in public schools, one's in high school, the other's in like uh, intermediate school, 
their spring semester last year, they basically got no grades and learned nothing. They pretty much just didn't have school from March, 2020 until like August, 2020. They didn't do much. So um, what, what, what were you thinking about that? I think this is the probably among the 10 trend or 10 changes. This is the worst things for the, for the entire human being. Our children, especially the, the very, very small age children from maybe three years to seven years, those kind of a preschool, kindergarten children is suffer a lot because at that time it's the uh, children needed to have a social interaction working together, play together, learn together. And uh, at this moment, they have to stuck at home with their parent. The parent have like a 24 hours to supervise them to study and glue to the screen. And uh, they don't have any friend. If they have a sibling, it's better. But if you don't have a sibling, the child life is uh, the misery. And mm -hmm. that's the, the, the worst thing is that among 10 changes, I think that's the, the worst. Public school is not open. Some private school open, but the parents were scared to send their children to the even private school. So it's the overall, it's the very sad change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the second, the next number four that you had is also like a sort of similar, but on the opposite end of the age spectrum, old people. Um, in nursing homes, not being able to have visitors basically since last March. Um, I have a grandfather who's living in a nursing home um, in the Indianapolis area. He, we've been able to visit him outside, um, but I think also they're just, it, it has actually been good for them in some ways because he lives in like a memory ward. So um, the routine of not having people coming in and out is in some ways kind of good for them because they're a little bit less confused. Um, but it's also been really hard on my mom to like not really be able to see her dad this year. But did you have, do you have any like personal experience with this or? Yeah, uh, I personally have been 10 years in the Rotary Club. Rotary Club is used to be the people like a 60 to 80, 90, that's they, they get together to have a lunch every week. So it's the people mingling together, talk to each other, walk from this table to that table, talk about their children, talk about their life and uh, whatever the, the disease or it's, uh, the, the, uh, the healthcare issue, they can talk. But uh, this time, all the senior center, they stuck at their own each home. And also it's a pandemic, it's a very uh, fatal to elder people. So they tend to be more uh, careful about the, the isolation or it's the prevent the people to, to see them. That's the kind of things that uh, give them some uh, mentality. They cannot see their grandchildren, their children, and that's the cause their uh, extremely isolated. So it's the every opportunity they can go to the online meeting. I see a lot of a senior, these glue there say, hi, I want to see you, but physically they couldn't. That's the, the, the uh, opposite of children. And also you see the, a lot of a death rate uh, in, among the senior is very, very high. So it's the, when people die and uh, we, tend to attend to my friends, the 
funeral or it's a service, all this canceled. So it's a, you feel very sad for the people or your old friend, they die, but the, I couldn't to show or pay my respect at the last opportunity. That's kind of the things that I feel very sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the inability to grieve is really yeah. hard. So tell me about number five, lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> uh, so let's go to the some a little bit the larger scale. The uh, I think it's a probably the, in terms of economy, the most hated the industry is a commercial real estate. <laughs> at, at this moment, no, not many people feel this way because it's a, this is a little bit remote and it's a time lag. So the impact is going to be short, maybe after two years, five years, or even 10 years. But mm -hmm. we, we see all the company, all the larger corporation, they start to adopt to a new policy, remote or work at home. And they can feel they can save a lot of money on the office rental or leasing or even buy it. And also it's a lot of a supportive stuff they can totally cut off to save the budget. But that's going to hurt uh, real estate, especially commercial real estate. I think a real, commercial real estate is a kind of a backbone for this country, especially for larger metropolitan. If a larger cities, they lose the commercial real estate business, the entire city going to suffer. Yeah, I think the, the impact on cities overall, which I don't think we have oh, yeah. on this list, but is, is a really interesting thing to think about. And I, I've i experienced this, like moving to the Bay Area every time I tell someone like, oh yeah, I just moved here. People are like, oh, that's so interesting. Everyone is leaving the Bay. Like, what? why are you here? It's so yeah, expensive. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I do wonder if people will miss cities. So it'll be interesting also to see like overall like migration patterns I think for the country because I know also I'm not the only person who has moved as the course over the course of this pandemic. I moved here also uh, with my roommate who was in college in Massachusetts with me. Um, so the, there is still mobility and so it'll be interesting also like I think this one that you that you picked hits on a lot of like really good issues which is the future of work, like how are people going to, um, how are people going to think about going into the office in the future? Like working nine to five has been such a huge part of our culture and going to an office, you know, like even, you can even see it in our television shows, like with workplace comedies being so common, like yeah. the office, parks and recreation, like, um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that like impacts our, our culture and society over time on the one hand, the work part, and then on the other hand, like where will people want to live as a result of this? Or will people just become more mobile? I was actually in Palm Springs over the weekend and I was like out at a restaurant eating outside and eavesdropping on the couple next to me who had, i sorry, I love to people watch, so I can't resist eavesdropping. Um, and they had moved, they had rented a house in, in Palm Springs from Ohio and they just came to work remotely because they could. And I, I know this from friends of mine who have coworkers that are just like moving every month to a different place. And exactly. clearly you're taking advantage of that too with all of <laughs> exactly. your travel this year. Yeah, exactly. This year is uh, when I travel, I always uh, uh, go to visit the housing market because uh, you have a suddenly completely wheel where you can live. 
So it's the, I can travel around the country, say where is the best place I can live because uh, in the Silicon Valley, our housing market is so expensive. And suddenly you can choose anywhere to live. So you can pick uh, several places. Every place you just uh, buy small condo, buy small apartment, or it's buy vacation home. So you can go to different places. Maybe summer, I stay here, winter, I stay there. So it's, you don't restrict it by your working place anymore. So this is the, I think this trend is going to be continue. There's no doubt about it. That's the my feeling about it. <laughs> and also, it's, I think it's, you probably have a lot of friends that do the same thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I actually think the thing that most of my friends are doing, because we all like graduated this year, yeah. I am one of my only friends who's not living with their parents. Like, <laughs> I've oh. moved out on my own, but most people I know are still living at home. Even yeah. if they do have a, like a job, it's just nice to have that extra support in this time. And, you know, you're maybe a little bit less motivated to move to a new city when it's so hard to get to know people. So yeah. at the same time as people being more mo mobile, number six, I will bring up is that like people have gotten really good at home cooking. As I mentioned, I was fully on board with the sourdough trend and I now make bread every week. I need to bring you some. I don't know why I haven't done that yet. Have you learned <laughs> to cook anything this year? I feel pretty sorry. It's the, I, I just a total like, disaster when I cook. It's nobody going to eat. So it's there's someone else always cook for me and change the, the whatever the international style, Italian, French, Chinese, <laughs> all kind of, uh, even Middle East, uh, the people try to change it. And if I do, I only can make uh, some uh, egg or it's, uh, the breakfast to put a sandwich together. I, I'm not very good on the cooking. Who but, the people, you? Oh. Uh, but people say, if you're smart, you're, you're going to love cooking. That means my IQ is not high enough, <laughs> right? You just have to practice. It's a skill, you know, like anything else. So you tell me about number seven. Why'd you pick this one? Yeah, number seven is a more, uh, I think it's a more serious and the people may not be interested, but I personally just feel it's important that I feel uh, international relationship among the country, somehow on the surface of people, uh, the, the country becoming blocked to each other, shut off to each other traveling, but uh, fundamentally, Deep inside each country's leader, they realize the human being or entire world is uh, related to each other. It's a more cooperation and the more supportive to each other becoming higher uh, in terms of priority. So, so that in people, if we have a face mask, we try to support you. If we have a vaccine, we try to support other country. I think it's especially on the technology or the research R&D part, people, it's an international cooperation became much more uh, rationalized or it's more supportive to each other. That's the good trend for the, when human being face a common problem is a pandemic. You may not agree with, right? This is one that I, yes, that I'm a little bit less optimistic than you, which is oh. unusual because I feel like generally you're the optimistic one of the two of us. But <laughs> I, I, I hope 
that what will come out of this experience is that everyone realizes how interconnected the world is. But I just kind of worry that this will actually increase global competition, even when it comes to trade, right? Like, if yeah. you think about, like, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how the, like, ongoing, like, trade conflict between the U.S. and China is impacted by this pandemic, which, frankly, a lot of Americans, even if it's not government, a lot of American citizens, I think, probably still harbor some resentment and maybe even a little blame towards the Chinese yeah. government um, for their initial maybe resistance to to report statistics on the pandemic. And um, I mean, they did ultimately have a pretty swift response, but not swift enough that it didn't spread internationally, obviously. Yeah. So um, I think I I think there may be more global competition than you think in trying to recover from this. Um, and, and I think there's also sort of the, maybe perhaps that dichotomy between like service-based economies like the US and Western Europe and like manufacturing-based economies like China and India, like how will services really, really suffer in a pandemic, not as much as uh, manufacturing. So I think also economically, there's a whole like um, interesting thing to see how it comes out. And really, I think we haven't seen that much global cooperation. You do have a good point in terms of vaccinations and like research and development. I think the, the speed at which we were able to develop uh, vaccines, I mean, I know that there's like, there's the two American, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine. There's a Chinese vaccine. There's also a Russian vaccine. And I think there are a few others. So like the speed at which we were able to develop those um, is really impressive and I think a testament to the, the global scientific community. On the other hand, there hasn't been a lot of coordination, for example, on international travel. That's sort of been on a country by country basis. And if, if you know, nations had gotten together at the beginning and said, we all need to shut down for the benefit of the world, perhaps things would not have gotten as bad as they yeah. did. I, I agree with you. It's uh, the, my sense of uh, this kind of uh, trend is uh, based on the long term. Mm -hmm. so in short term, I totally agree with you. So it's the, uh, the there's a shutdown, travel ban, those kind of things. I think it's a short term. But among the international, each country's leader behind the, the shutdown, they realize there's a lot of a cooperation needed among the uh, country's leaders. So that's the, we may not say the uh, immediate impact but uh, those kind of uh, rational negotiation or cooperation is going to show up after more severe economic uh, slowdown. So it's the, when economy going to go back to the normal and the corporations uh, uh, among the countries are going to coming back. That's my just uh, crystal ball from myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to combine number eight and number nine a little bit, I think, yeah. to, to talk about those. So you talked about healthcare becoming more and more relevant to our daily life. Um, and also high tech um, trending, like AI kind of speeding up um, more automation. So I'm wondering if you see those two things as interacting with each other and how automation is necessarily, like, I think the healthcare's relationship to the pandemic is pretty obvious yeah. as it is a health crisis and more and more people are aware of perhaps how fragile they are and how um, what a need there is in our system to provide quality health care for all Americans because 
you know, one person getting sick really does affect everyone. But I'm curious about the automation piece. How do you see that as relating to the pandemic? Yeah, you know, it's the automation or AI to replace uh, normal people or regular people like a secretary or it's a cashier, those kind of a trend is started and the uh, driver is a uh, car driving everywhere. Those kind of are going to replace uh, like a truck driver and the cashier or sec legal secretary or those kind of things that a lot of a job are going to disappear, but that's going to take a uh, 10 years, 20 years uh, the time frame to realize it's going to kill normal people, the, the uh, job market. But this pandemic is really increased the speed of AI to replace the office clerk's job. You see the, a lot of people is going to lose job. At this moment, the government still give people some uh, uh, the pandemic check or it's the, we call UBI, those kind of a subsidy to everyone. But uh, after government uh, uh, pay off, always the when pandemic are going to finish, the job market is pretty hard to coming back. A lot of people, they probably going to lose their job permanently. That's the things that I feel this pandemic speed up, accelerated this process AI to replace a job trend. So if this happen in larger scale, the social stability going to get a lot of a trouble. Mm. The, the crime rate and also the uh, jobless rate is going to uh, raise a lot. And the national leader among the, each country is going to facing how we can deal with the, the real, real poor people. They cannot find job at all. Even mm -hmm. they want to work, they couldn't find it. We have to deal with this trend. That's the, my concern. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good concern. And I think it, it segues really well into your last point, which is, um, I think, very uh, in keeping with your personality <laughs> and <laughs> kind of reflecting on how this year has been a little bit of an existential crisis for everyone being stuck inside. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about that point? And then we'll just kind of close up from there. Yeah, I think it's the, uh, this pandemic trend and also the, what I think about these 10 changes to our life. I think it's the we coming back to one central concept of a, um, compassion. And we need to build this kind of a compassion mentality to help to care other people. And not only among the country, but the interaction among the or real human pe people individually and try to think of others and try to help others. That's the whole pandemic is going to uh, cause for our challenge in the next years. I, I personally think it's the economics going to go down very quickly. So it's the, uh, the social and the compassion and uh, those kind of uh, used to be very uh, abstract concept we need to apply to our human relationship and build a more stronger compassion. That's the what I got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think you're totally right that we'll, we'll, 
I think that people are going to come out of this year having experienced, like, even if it, even if all it was was just everything in your life being canceled starting in March 2020, that's still a pretty traumatic experience, especially the way everything sort of happened overnight. And if you weren't a person like me who, like, I, for example, was happened to be interning in a national newsroom at the time, so I had been kind of paying attention to the pandemic, um, coming out of China, like, starting in January, I was, like, reading about the coronavirus. I even actually like did some coverage about the like um potential origin species of uh the virus probably came from bats but there was maybe some yeah, intermediate yeah, yeah. <laughs> intermediary species and so i was like talking to scientists about this in february and thinking about the pandemic like oh it, it'll probably come to the us but like who knows and yeah. it was still surprising to me so i can only imagine how how shocking it was for people who weren't paying attention to the news at that time because really the, the news wasn't covering it like this was something that was going to happen to us. Um, so I think there will be kind of a society-wide levels of PTSD that we will see the effects of. But also I'm really optimistic um, that all of this time to like reflect and really think about what is meaningful in life will also give people, I, I'm hoping that we will get some fantastic art out of the pandemic. We've already gotten some like really good albums uh, and like CDs. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I feel like, so hey, there's been a lot of, what? Share to the people. I mean, like I could say so many things like, um, you know, if you like pop, Charlie XCX did a great album in quarantine. Mm -hmm. Also BTS, the like K-pop super group, their quarantine album was so good. There's a bluegrass singer that I really, or not bluegrass, he's more of a country artist singer that I really like named Sturgill Simpson, who actually got COVID. And then like when he was recovering, recorded two albums that are both fantastic. Who else have I, like Taylor Swift, two amazing albums from the pandemic. And those are just like the ones that have come out so far. So I'm like really excited for when people have had enough time to write novels about this time or from this time. I'm so excited to read those. Good, um, yeah, that's very good, Andy. So I'm going to go to listen to the, all the albums. I'll send you. I can. I should make a Spotify playlist yeah. for our listeners of all of the quarantine music that I've been listening to. Maybe yeah. I'll do that. But that's a great place to end for this week. Maybe a note of happiness that, like, even though this time has been really hard, we can still make something out of it. So, John, as always, thank you so much for making time for me. Thank you. <laughs> My name is Katie Simpson. Our podcast is sponsored by Asian American Forward. You can visit our website at asianamericanforward.com. If you enjoyed the show this week or have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode, send us your comments at info at asianamericanforward.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook and hear more of our conversations on our YouTube channel. We'll talk to you next week.